0: Um, we're going to now turn our attention to uh, the scripture for this morning we are going to be in john chapter 14 as was mentioned uh, today is pentecost sunday and so today we are reflecting on the gift of the holy spirit that birthed the church and is also present with us and is given to us through our baptism and so um, i'm excited for us to explore Uh, John chapter 14 and uh, if you want to you can grab a pew Bible or you can follow along on the screen and uh, Before I read it. Let me pray Lord Jesus. Would you be here with us now? Um, Lord as you've been with us uh, in worship Lord through song and through prayer uh, we thank you for the ways in which you lead and guide and minister Uh, to us. Uh, Lord, would you speak the word that you want to speak? Would you help uh, me to preach now? Um, Would you bless uh, our congregation with uh, your presence, Lord, that we need more than anything else? And would that be enough for us this morning? In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. John chapter 14 starting at verse 8 and then we're going to actually go to verse 17 and we'll skip to verse 25 to 27. It says this, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Skipping to verse 25, it says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Um, so to get us started this morning, I want to look at this uh, This. Uh, request that Philip is making of Jesus. And if you remember, at the beginning of our text this morning, we saw Philip and he was asking uh, for something really significant. He He said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And so one of the observations we might think of as we hear this request from Philip is what has he already seen? Because he's asking for more. He's saying uh, we need something that uh, could ultimately satisfy us. But if we think about it, uh, he's in this privileged position where he's been journeying with Jesus and the disciples and he's seen a lot already. He's seen Uh, water turned into wine. He's seen the feeding of the 5,000. He's seen seen many healed. He's heard uh, some of the most amazing teachings that have ever been taught. And yet he comes here with this question. He says, uh, Jesus, would you show us a father? Because that would be enough for us. And even lurking behind this question, he would have known the requests that Moses made in Exodus chapter 33, where Moses is with Yahweh and they're speaking and and Moses finally gets enough courage and he just says to Yahweh, Yahweh, would you show me your glory? And Yahweh responds this way, he says, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. And so when Philip is saying, I want to see the father, he's saying, I want to see more than Moses. He's saying uh, what Moses got to see, which was just the back, uh, just the train of the robe of the glory of God. Now Philip is making this request. He says, I want to see the Father, and that will ultimately satisfy me. And I think one of the good questions here for us to just pause and ask is, what is enough? Um, As we sit here, This morning, what is enough? Philip has seen a lot, and he knows a lot. And one of the things I think that shame, as a lurking evil question, uh, can raise in us over and over and over again is this the question Am I enough? Is it enough? Uh, that I bring to church? Is it enough that I bring to my responsibilities? Um, How can I know if what I'm doing and who I am is enough? And so Philip makes the request for the disciples. Would you show us the Father and maybe that would be enough? And we see here that Jesus' answer is very different than the one that Moses received, right? He says, actually, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no secret God lurking behind Jesus. Everything that you need to know about God is found in Jesus. In seeking his face, as just was so beautifully sung, this pursuit of who God is, um, is ultimately realized in the face of Jesus Christ. The ordinary one, the one who was walking with them and teaching them and shared life with them was actually the face of God. And Jesus, in his teaching, wasn't just teaching about a subject matter he was, uh, had learned about. He was teaching about a subject matter that he ultimately was as a living word, and is as the living word. And so he teaches out of this place of unique and privileged authority. And he says the place where his authority comes from is from his heavenly father. And the communion and community that he shares with his heavenly father. Not only that, he also appeals to the evidence of his life. He points back, he points Philip back to the things that He's done the works that he's done, the things that he's already seen, the ones that I just mentioned. And he does this another time in John chapter 7, actually, where uh, John the Baptist is wondering if Jesus is actually the Messiah. And so he sends two of his disciples out to ask Jesus, are you the one or shall we wait for somebody else? And this is the way that Jesus answers uh, their, their question and tells, John, tells them to go tell John. He says, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And so Jesus is not afraid to point at what he's done, uh, the miracles that he's done, uh, the mission that he has fulfilled that was... Uh, written about by the Old Testament prophets and is now being fulfilled in the disciples' midst, in their midst. So one of the ways we might put it is Philip didn't need any more insight. Brennan Manning, in his wonderful book, Ruthless Trust, tells the story of a conversation that he had with his spiritual director, and he was languishing over what could be the new idea, what could be uh, something he needed to learn in order to grow spiritually, and almost in a toss-away line, his spiritual director told him, Manning, you don't need any more insights. You have enough insights to last you 300 years. The most urgent need in your life is to trust what you already believe to trust what you already believe and i see jesus moving philip in this direction to say you've seen it already you've been with me you know who i am and now it is time to trust what you already believe Another way we could say it this morning is you don't need another insight so much as you need courage and the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, trust is all about putting weight on things, right? Actually putting your weight, your trust, putting yourself at risk because there's a promise on the other end that says I will hold you. And what I have said is true. You know, one time I got to go uh, to Joshua Tree and go rock climbing. Maybe you've had this experience of rock climbing when you're up there on that big scary rock and you've put the rope on and everybody told you it's going to be okay up there because you got the rope to, uh, to hold you and the person down there who's guiding you with the rope. But there's that moment where you're standing at the top and you have to place your weight on the rope. And that is a significant moment if you've ever been there, where you have to give up all that you know about what could happen to you for the sake of trusting that the people who have put this whole contraption together know what they're doing. And so Jesus is telling Philip to put some weight on it. Because we, as disciples, are represented in the story through Philip, this posture of hedging bets, right? Jesus, I'm on the fence again. I've seen you work before, but I got a new problem, and it's harder than the last one, and I need you to show up. I'm in a jam again, and I need you to show up. Are you going to show up again for me this time? But Jesus' answer here is to redirect and say, why don't you think about something else? Think about what you've already seen. Maybe you've come in again this morning and you've wondered, well, Jesus, are you going to show up for me? Are you going to be enough to get me through all that life is throwing at me? And maybe Jesus could remind you and us of... All that is already true, that you're here, that somehow the Holy Spirit has worked in your life, whether you know it or not, to draw you into this space, into this community, uh, to praise and to pray and to learn and to hear from the scriptures. And we don't think that's an accident here. We think that that's evidence of God's work drawing you into this place. Even your questions, even the the big questions that you might ask, God, are you there? Jesus, what are you really like? Those are evidence of faith trying to work its way out in you, of growth trying to work its way out in you. And you're here in the presence of others I know who have Uh, These testimonies of moments in their life where they have real, authentic connection to Jesus. And those hints and whispers are uh, pointing in a direction of something so significant. And, And the community brings the stories together to bear testimony to one another of what we already know. And not just that, it's what we've inherited because millions and millions of Christians have gone before us. And now they sit in the balcony of heaven and the scriptures tell us that they're looking down on us as a great great cloud of witnesses, cheering us on to even greater faith. And they've given us the baton, they've given us the hymns and the prayers, and they've passed on uh, these moments of courage that they had in their time that gave us access to our scriptures and uh, gave us this wonderful uh, uh, culture that we get to experience here. This Christian community uh, is something that has been given as a gift to us from the Holy Spirit's work working its way out through the church over generations and generations and generations, and it is a gift again to us this morning. We have Jesus' example, just like Philip did. And the teaching is clear. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And really, I don't think it's so much a new insight for most of us as it is a challenge to understand that you need a surrendered heart that desires to learn how to trust what you already know in order to really understand what it means to follow Jesus and what he is about. Uh, One of the the most popular teachings in all of church history about trust is from a guy named Soren Kierkegaard. And he has a phrase that I think you know because it's made its way out into the larger world. It's called a leap of faith. Um, This concept of a leap of faith was something that he first wrote down. And maybe when you think of that, the popular understanding of this idea of a leap of faith goes to actually intellectual assent in beliefs. Because uh, we think, you know, well, what a leap of faith is, is that being a Christian, uh, you know, may be uh, something that we can't scientifically prove. And so we take a leap of faith and we assent to what is being discussed at church in our Bibles and by the witness of the church. But in fact, that wasn't the reason why Soren Kierkegaard actually uh, wrote about what a, taking a leap of faith. Because he, believed, he lived in Denmark in the 19th century. And in Denmark in the 19th century, almost everybody was Christian. Or at least culturally Christian. In fact, one of the ways that he said it was, he said being Christian in his day was as difficult as putting on a pair of socks. And in the midst of this type of cultural Christianity, he wanted to set the true teachings of Jesus apart from just this mere ascent in doctrinal belief. And so he spoke of this leap of faith. And ultimately what he wrote is that the central obligation of Christian experience is not to affirm the existence of God, but to love God. And the leap of faith is a leap of trust to say, I already know the teachings and now it is time to trust that if I live by them that I will have enough. And we can see this because There's a request being made that Jesus is now riffing on, right, as Philip says, Will you show us the Father? That will be enough for us. And by verse 13 and 14, we see Jesus saying some of the most profound and powerful statements to the disciples in all of the Bible. In verse 13, he says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And so Jesus is saying, if you would trust in my teachings and what I have done, then you will do even greater things than these. And one of the ways we can understand that is just by saying Jesus did his works in one geographical location. But from here, he's starting a movement that will go out to the ends of the earth where people will do what he did in every part of the world. And so the church will go forward as uh, as Jesus ascends into heaven and gives the gift of the Holy Spirit to go out and to do even greater works. But those works come from a trust a loving trust, a leap into Jesus' arms of love to say that no matter what I have going on or what has uh, challenged me in this season, that what Jesus has said and done is enough for me again today. In verse 14 we say, Jesus says, excuse me, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In other words, as you're on mission, you're going to need help. So don't forget to ask that you're not alone. You see, when we hear all these teachings, one of the things that we can do again is to summarize them and boil them down into a bunch of right behaviors and rules that we need to follow, and then we look at ourselves, and we look at the teachings, and we say, I will never measure up to that. But what Jesus is teaching here is something totally different. He's saying, if you would first... Trust me and ask for my help that I will be your advocate. I will be your helper. I will be the one in faith who will come through when you need it most. But you have to put a little weight on it. You have to make a choice to rely. On me, and not hedge bets, but go all in. Trust in what I have to say. On that first uh, time when the church received the Holy Spirit, it was after Jesus had ascended into heaven, and the scriptures tell us that they were all together and they were in one accord meaning that they didn't know exactly what to do once Jesus left except to get together and to pray. And there was no subtext to it, right? I don't think it was a time where they were analyzing if they liked the prayers or they didn't like the prayers, or if the worship was exactly the way that they preferred, or if there were some, uh, like, way they should be acting to one another. No, they just simply got together and they decided to pray in one accord, meaning that they had unity. Because they had elevated this unity above everything else because they wanted to experience all that Jesus had promised that they would Experience and it was out of their decision to be of one accord that then the Holy Spirit descended on the church. And the same is true for us as Christian disciples. Now, there is a place to ask every question and to bring our full selves and all our preferences into the church as we discern all that. That we need to discern as a Christian community. But there is also a time where we do everything we can to be of one accord, majoring in the majors, as we desire more than anything else that the Holy Spirit would be made manifest in our midst. And it is our willingness to do that for one another that makes it possible for the Holy Spirit to do the work that only the Holy Spirit can do within the church. And that's exciting. That is what has excited the church for generations and has been a bulwark against every kind of crisis, and challenge that the church has ever faced. The church, uh, the ancient church historian Arrhenius wrote this. He said, where the spirit of God is, there is the church and every kind of grace. And so my prayer this morning is that if you came in hedging your bets, that you would be reminded again that Jesus is all that you need. And as we move to communion, as you experience his gift, the gift of his presence, I pray that you would lean in and that we could be of one accord as we worship together so that we might know the help of the Holy Spirit, and we might experience all that Jesus would desire for us and for his church. Would you pray with me? Lord of power, just as the outpouring of your Holy Spirit on Pentecost so drastically changed the lives of the disciples, may the fire of your Holy Spirit refine and renew us so that we will never be the same. May we move in the power of the Spirit, and may our lives and ministries be infused with your divine, supernatural touch and authority. And may the spirit of wisdom and revelation cause us to grow in our knowledge of you. Amen.